When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hmm, quite salutations. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. I want to talk about the upcoming live show for Potterless at the Bell House in Brooklyn. It's less than a month away. Friday, June 21st at 8 o'clock, we are going to be at the Bell House. I don't know if you guys know about the Bell House. This place is gorgeous. It is very pretty. Very important podcasts play there. And now we get to be very important for Multitude Live. It's going to be an incredible show. It is ages 18 and up, so you don't have to be a legal drinking person, just a legal voting and buying cigarettes at gas stations person. <laughs> it's going to be a really fun time. We're going to do some amazing segments. All of your favorite multitude homies are going to be there. That's Potterless. That's Spirits. That's Join the Party. That's Horse. It's going to be a great time. We're working on the programming right now, and I'm incredibly excited about it. Tickets are selling fast, so I want to make sure that everyone who has the chance to go is able to go, and you can get your tickets right now for what I would say is a pretty affordable price given what podcast live tickets cost these days if you go to multitude.production slash live. We also have other live opportunities coming up. That's Nashville. That's Boston. That's Orlando. All the other information is there too. But I wanted to talk specially about this Bellhouse show because I'm really excited about it. We're really, really stoked to be there and we want to make sure that we sell the whole damn place out because this is kind of our first really big show as a collective and it's really important that we just absolutely kill it and and then we can show other live venues, look, we filled out this place, we sold out, we can do this, and then we can tour. So please, it would mean the world for us if you can come. We'll be able to hang out afterwards and meet a bunch of people. We'll do a meet and greet. It'll be so much fun. It's going to be a great time. So again, multitude.production slash live. Check out the Bellhouse show. You will not be disappointed. I promise. I have some amazing Potterless things planned up my sleeve, and I cannot wait to show them. So I really hope to see you there in June, on June 21st, Friday, 8 p.m. Speaking of things I'm really excited about, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Savannah Sneeringer, April Kapakius, Charlotte Verkamen, Kaylee Bruno, Miranda, Liz Tarr, Gregory Potts, Marshall Cordova, Stine Bjortvet, Mia, and happy birthday to Garrett Alofts. A pronunciation correction to Jessica Archuleta, a shout out to Beth Francis who upgraded their pledge, a huge shout out to Maya who upgraded to the producer level status as well as our three new producer level patrons, Zachary Davis, Kieran, and Dee. They join the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Kieran, Abib, Rosemarie, Jill, Maria, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Dustin, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Pinky, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Mosin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Alexandra, John, Jen, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Carlos, Pam, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, 
Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polysurgeon, Brittany, Nita, Tumnus, Remney, Matt, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Emily, Colleen, Harlan, Wouter, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addy, Brian, Washin, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Marta, Benjamin, Tajinder, Skymart, Sarah, Peter, Yash, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Kate, Violet, Hannah, Kat, Lindsay, Elizabeth, Fielding, Stephanie, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Jesus, Christina, and Can't I Potter? Who never gets sweat spots in awkward places on your shirt that makes other people think, how do you sweat there? If you want to be like one of these patrons and get access to bonus content, exclusive live streams, exclusive merchandise, discount on the merch that's on the merch store, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless and join today. But without further ado, let's get into episode 78 of Potterless, covering Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows chapters 27 and 28, guest starring Kristen D. Mercurio, a lovely voice actress you might know from Ars Paradoxica and other shows. This is Editing Mike. Ooh, how's it going? Surprise visit. Just wanted to give a quick note here that Kristen's audio comes from a backup file. So I recorded her audio on my Zoom microphone, but unfortunately the memory card that I used was the same one that I put in my camera that I lost on my trip to Italy. So the audio I'm using for her is from my iPhone that I put on voice memo mode as a backup just in case file, but we didn't start it till part of the way through the recording. So that's why it's going to be an abrupt change of us just talking about the chapter. Also, I apologize that the audio quality isn't going to be perfect. Multitude's own Brandon Grugel helped a ton with the audio editing to make it sound as good as we possibly could, but I know that there's going to be some echoey stuff and it might sound a little bit weird when we're talking at the same time, but I really just appreciate your patience when little audio mishaps like this happen from time to time. Now that Multitude has a studio, this shouldn't happen again, but I really appreciate all of you bearing with me. Anyway, here's the episode. <laughs> so let's get it started with chapter 27, which is called The Final Hiding Place. As you may recall, we pick up with our squad on the back of a dragon. As you do. Which is a great way to start things <laughs> off. So it's a wild ride. Harry describes Ron as swearing, but he can't tell if it's happy swears or angry swears, which is very good. He's either like, holy shit, this is great, or holy shit, we're gonna die. Or we're saying more like, bloody hell, like it ends with a W. <laughs> bloody hell, at least in the movie. Ooh, a true voice actress. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> so Harry has the great realization of not knowing how this is gonna end, which is exactly where I left off, I believe, in the last episode, Matt Young asked me, what do you think happens next? And I like, said, don't I don't know, idea. they're on a dragon. Uh, one of the things I love about this part is that you, as you begin to realize, wait, they can't fucking control the dragon. Mm -hmm. When the fuck are they, like, they're having those realizations at the yep. same time as you are it's about very, whether yeah. or not, like, <laughs> How long can you be on a dragon? Mm -hmm. How high do they go? Do they eat? Where does it sit down? That's, do I sit down? That's the whole chapter is just all of these questions being asked and then very quickly answered. Yes, that's true. So Harry wonders how fast news is going to spread. And he knows that once Voldemort learns that they took the cup, he's going to know that they're hunting Horcruxes, which is very bad. Yes. So on the dragon, Harry starts to get hungry. And then he thinks, oh shit, what if the dragon, dragon gets hungry goes. too? I love I love his thoughts are like, I'm hungry, but what about this guy? Mm -hmm. What about this guy we're riding? Maybe oh. he gets hungry. But then the narrator does point out, what if he realizes he has three highly edible humans <laughs> highly on his edible. back, which is a very great description of a <laughs> that person. That should be in like your bio. Like, da -da -da -da, highly edible. That'd be very good. Yeah, I really want to do more and more 
podcasting conventions and stuff so I can keep doing really fun like bio things yeah. and switching it up. My go-to ending it now, which I stole from my buddy Chet, who he did this once and it was my favorite thing. He put it as for skills or something on this leadership retreat. He put like skills include folding a fitted sheet, so, <laughs> which I still can't that do. That is a fucking magical Literal skill. wizardry. Marie Kondo can't do it. Oh, wait, can she not? Was that on the Netflix she show? She showed a whole thing. She's like, people seem to struggle with this. And then she pretends to fold it and then just rolls it the fuck up. Uh, I was like, that's not folding. That does not spark me joy. It sparks me joy because it means that if I'm- If she can't. If she can't, I'm fine. <laughs> so I'll usually add my bio with like, you can also find my playing basketball, doing whatever, or trying to figure out how to <laughs> fold a fitted sheet. <laughs> we went from riding dragons to fitted sheets so fast. Both equally hard. I equally think they're on hard. the same level. Right, they're both like low-key anxiety, you know? <laughs> I think the dragon's slightly higher. <laughs> I don't know, they seem sleepy. <laughs> so Ron notices that the dragon is losing elevation, and they start getting close to water. Harry suggests jumping into the water and the rest of the squad agrees, which is pretty smart. They jump, they hit it, and the dragon doesn't notice. He keeps flying, lands on a bank off to the side. After taking a big gulp out of the water below, kind of flies on, parks over on the side of a bank. When they drop into the lake, they realize it has a bunch of reeds in it, which makes it hard to, to swim around, but they finally get to shore and they are absolutely exhausted. Which is very realistic. Have you ever like seen a picture of a lake? You're like, that looks great. But then you touch an actual lake and you're like, no, it's just a salad with water in it. Yeah, it's lakes are... <clears throat> They're, they look so much better than they are. Yeah, I don't have much lake experience, but I lived in Texas. All of the lakes there are fake. They're oh, man, man. Most, most are... Yes. I'm picturing, like, they're painted on the ground. <laughs> it's like Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> it's a lot of man-made lakes that are possible because Texas is so flat that if you dig a hole and then put water in it, man-made lake. So the lakes that I do have experience with in Texas where you go, I've gone wakeboarding and stuff, mm -hmm. those are not as gross because it's usually just like dirt water and a couple right. little animals algae fish whatever but if you go to a real lake it's yeah it's a salad with water it's yeah. very apt salad it's like swimming. swimming in cold pho <laughs> <laughs> dislike <laughs> dislike on that <laughs> everyone has stopped listening to the podcast so yeah, like, where did the harry potter go <laughs> <laughs> Harry gets right to casting protective spells, which makes me very excited because every other time they do this, Hermione has to do it. So I like that Harry got off his ass and finally did it for once. Yeah, right? Finally carrying his weight. He takes a look at the squad and notices that they are covered in scars from all of the hot metal, which I'm still getting over how bad that experience must have been. Right, can you fucking, like, how did J.K. Rowling come up with that in particular. You're like, oh, like I need something like an awful thing to be in here. Mm -hmm. She's like, what if I just make the things in here awful and a lot of them. And they multiply and they're really hot. Like I get mad when I burn part of my pinky on the side of a pot. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that being everywhere? She probably did that and was like, I know what to do with it. <laughs> Eureka, <laughs> I'm gonna screw over some teenagers. Oh they start dabbing Essence of Dittany on them, which again, I've only written down for Harry Potter trivia purposes, that and Essence of Mertlap, which removes boils and warts. So. I mean, honestly, I want both of those serums, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It'd be very good. Because the narrator does describe that while they start doing it, their skin just starts healing. It's like fucking, um, oh, oh, Hunger Games. They have like uh, a thing like that where you right. just like see it and like anytime you're injured after, you're like, why don't why doesn't that exist in real life? Mm -hmm. Everything just becomes so much lower stakes. I would be yeah. a, I would be much more likely to try things like skateboarding and more dangerous activities. Because if you fall, it'll hurt for a little bit, and then you just you put just some essence your of bones in your arm. Yeah, chug a bit of Skelligrow, and you're good to go. Yeah. 
So they change into dry clothes. They chug some pumpkin juice, which sounds terrible. And they <laughs> <It> are... <does. laughs> I still... I've been to Harry Potter World three times now. I've refused to get the pumpkin juice. Partially because it's like $8 for a bottle, That's which fair. is the same price as... A pumpkin? Well, true. Or the butterbeer, which I know is good. Yeah. And I'm also pretty sure that pumpkin juice, like most juices, is just pear juice flavored like a pumpkin. Probably. Which makes me pear less excited. Juice. Yeah, pears are used a lot for fruit flavored things like fruit leather. A lot of that is just, just pears. pears flavored a different way. My work has a snack cabinet and they have fruit leather. One is strawberry, one is raspberry, one is mango. They're all pear with the natural God, flavoring from the other is ones. Magic. Right? Yeah. So if you really want to get some pears and you don't like pears like me, you it really works. Get Gotta get my this pears. This episode sponsored by pears. Mm -hmm. Rick Ross is producing this one. <laughs> he fucks with pears. <laughs> Oh, I miss Vine so much. So they are happy to have the Horcrux, but obviously they're sad that they don't have the sword. Ron's very mad at Griphook for taking it. Hermione wonders if the dragon is going to be okay, and Ron says, it's a dragon. It'll be fine. We should worry about ourselves. And Hermione asks what he means, and he says, quote, well, I don't know how to break this to you, but they might have noticed that we broke into Gringotts, and then they all laugh heartily. Yeah, we all need that good laugh at we that point. We all very much Tensions need it. Tensions were high, everybody's tired, mm -hmm. everybody's burned. Yeah. At some point here, they worry about Voldemort finding out, and Ron suggests maybe everyone will be too afraid to tell him. And this is important when we get into Voldemort's reaction of being told the bad news. Right, because the first time he says that, like, I was reading it, and I was like, oh, Ron. Mm -hmm. Like, exactly. You're just, you're just looking for an excuse. You're like, maybe they won't tell him, and then we don't have to think about it. Like, The reason I said at some point here is because I didn't write it in my notes because I thought, Ron, come on, that's very silly. And then a little bit later, I put in my notes, oh, that's why Ron Ron wondered that. Yeah, right. <laughs> With good reason. <laughs> Before we can get into that, Harry has a Voldemort flash forward, flash present flash vision. Flash now. Flash now. <laughs> With <laughs> Voldemort's vision. So it's a dimly lit room with a semicircle of wizards facing Voldemort. And there is a small quaking figure at his feet. And it's one of the goblins that works at Gringotts. Mm -hmm. And we cut to Voldemort saying, say it again. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> the goblin <laughs> says that imposter stole it. Voldemort asks who. Goblin says that it was Potter and his friends. And Voldemort asks what they took. I think this is very fun that he's saying, say it again, because I get that he's asking all these questions so us, the reader, can know what is happening. But if he's saying say it again, it feels very strange to make him yeah. repeat literally everything he's already told Also, him. like, J.K. wrote this. She could have just easily been like, this is, say it for the first time. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> or just tell me what happened. Yeah, I feel like she took a sketch writing course that was really big on start in the middle oh and she God. really has to stick to this. <laughs> like, really you can, you can start with Volt, because the whole premise of these flash nows is that it happens when he's really angry. I feel like he would have been really angry when he heard yeah. about it. I don't I know. I mean, granted, him hearing that Harry Potter was the one that did it is going to make him even more angry. But True. you don't need to get him at the very height of his anger. Yeah, you can get it as it starts. Like, start with Voldemort kicked the door open. Voldemort <laughs> kicked. I don't know if that's his style, but I'm down. It should be. Like, I'm picturing, like, Emperor's New Groove, like, boom, bam, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> Only question. I thought about this legitimately while I was reading this. Does Voldemort wear shoes? I think he's just barefoot. Oh, I pictured him with shoes. What kind of shoes? Because like, and having no shoes makes him like kind of hippie, like loves the earth, you know? Like, I don't. What? Maybe. Oh fuck. Maybe he doesn't wear shoes. He doesn't have any hair anywhere, and I feel like he's got creepy fingers. I feel like he so would he have creepy has, like, toes. Feet that have, yeah, like, just like long toes with unkempt nails. 
Yeah, what if he steps on something? I, that's the thing. Well, he can't die. So. He's just Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but like, we what, have to look what, at the movie. What? Uh, I I feel like what shoes would make sense? I'm looking at a screenshot of Alexa. Voldemort's feet. I do. Oh God. It's, it's oh, you're shoe. gonna get some. <laughs> Open a private incognito window. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. One of them said Voldemort's feet on Cedric Diggory. Oh. So it is suggested searches. Well, he probably oh, he, wears no he probably shoes. kicks his face away after he murders him. He wears no shoes. Ah. At least in the figurine version. Wow, somebody had to carve that. He's gonna get athlete's foot. It rains a lot in I London. I mean, honestly, like maybe he can't. Maybe yeah. he is athlete's He's foot. a wizard, he can just. But look at the rest of his skin. <laughs> He's got something bigger than athlete's he foot. He is a fungus. <laughs> He's a fungus. He's a fun guy. Oh no. So he asks the goblin what they took. The goblin says the cup. And then the narrator says that he has a scream of rage and denial. And my question, is this the first instance of the Voldemort like, which I only know is a joke because there's a YouTube supercut of him saying oh, yeah. it every time in the movie, or at least every time in the trailer. It might have even been just the trailer where it happened four times for the eighth movie. I just remember that being a thing on the internet is that he did a lot of Yeah, exactly. I mean, like he doesn't get down on, on his knees, but he definitely like arches back to the sky and wails, you know? Oh, wow, I really want to see it. I'm excited for it. So Voldemort is furious. He kills the goblin immediately with a vaticadabra. Mm -hmm. And then he starts doing so to everyone, everyone. else in the room. So Bellatrix Friends, and- Friends, family, <laughs> lovers, bye. Bellatrix and Lucius push people out of the way so that they can get out of the room. But Voldemort then kills every other person in the room, which, which is like not a great rough. way to keep your followers. No. If you're killing, like, if you think about it, like, how many Death Eaters are there? Like, at, at a certain point, like, I think there were, like, 20 or 30. Like, in my yeah, head, there's not I, that many. In my brain, it was between 30 and 40. Right, so if you're just, like, killing people willy-nilly, mm -hmm. like, how do you expect to, like, keep your little cult going? Right. Like, you know? The other it's thing. It's just bad business practices. Totally. And this definitely gets back to Ron's note, where he thinks maybe they won't want to tell him, this is going to instill bad behavior in your subordinates. <laughs> exactly. You're not enforcing... There's no sort of positive reinforcement of telling someone the news. It's something that I struggle with at work sometimes where if something's messed up, I kind of want to internalize and figure it out on my own rather than tell my boss. But what's going to solve the problem is tell someone that something is wrong before it becomes an even worse problem. What's going to happen is these people are just going to knock it. They're just not going to tell Voldemort anything. Well, they're dead now. <laughs> But look at the example. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm Death Eater that stays alive, something bad goes wrong. It's like, all right, we're not telling Voldemort because we will die. That's the protocol here. Tell him the truth about something bad, die. Yep. I get he's trying to say, don't make this the mistake. This is the new world but order. Stop asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's absolutely rough. But at the same time, really, I want to see this in the movie. So Voldemort's mind then starts racing. He worries if Harry knows about the rest. Which is so convenient. Very convenient. And especially convenient in that he only thinks of the Horcruxes that Harry knows about. Mm -hmm. So he wonders if Harry knows the rest. He figures that Dumbledore is behind all of this because he knew Dumbledore suspected him of doing Horcrux practices. He thinks that he would have felt it, though, if one of them was destroyed. He goes on saying that he, the most powerful wizard of all, would have known if a Horcrux was destroyed. He then calls himself the most important and most precious, which seems just like a weird self-descriptor to give. Like a I, Voldemort, the most important and most precious. Like, all right, dude. It's just like a little, like, Smeagol call out. <laughs> yeah. Just like JK being like, I see you. 
Yes, SCU Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so he says he thought he didn't feel it when the diary was destroyed because he didn't have a body with point. which to feel. Which is logical. That is a good point to make, but I don't know. He thinks that the ring is safe because no one would have known that he was related to the Gaunts. He thinks that the locket is safe because no one would have known about the cave and who could, quote, penetrate its protections. <sighs> then we get to the part that is very convenient. He thinks about the one that's in Hogwarts, but not what it is or where it Which is. Which is so funny because he's like, oh, the one in the lake in that thing. The mm -hmm. one like, oh, like the ring in that house. Like, and then... General Castle. <laughs> like, <laughs> General Castle? Yeah, it's just... like he just, ran out of B-roll uh, for like what he wanted. <laughs> I only have so many things I can imagine in my brain. I'm going to hit my quota of <laughs> flashbacks. I'll hit the general location. <laughs> However, he does give a clue which I think is a little too obvious. He mentions, quote, he plumbed the deepest secrets of that place. So plumb and deepest secrets makes me think that it has to be in the Chamber of Secrets. Okay. Plumb the secrets. I mean, plumb and penetrate in like the same <laughs> fucking paragraph. <laughs> so my guess here is that there is some sort of Horcrux in the Chamber of Secrets. And it makes me kind of want to reread Chamber of Secrets to see if Harry noticed something like, oh, he walked by and there was a headdress of Ravenclaw, which yeah, I'm right. still suspecting just being like something. Just like floating around. Right, just chilling in a statue or something. Right. But yeah, the use of plums and deepest secrets raised my eyebrow real big. I'm just gonna add those to my vocabulary for later. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> he confirms that Nagini is one of them. And then he vows to keep her close and not let her leave his sight. Which also, why would you let her leave his sight? Like, if that's like part of your soul, why you're like, hey, part of my soul, go run some errands. I guess his thought is that it's a giant snake. So you're thinking, ah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and now he's like, that thing is not leaving. I'm getting it on a leash. It can't go too far. I'd totally be like a helicopter parent to my snake. <laughs> It makes sense. Where'd you go? Oh, you're in the other room. Uh, okay, ooh, it's fine. Okay. Look, I'm just worried you have the other part of my soul. Share your location with me, Nagini. <laughs> Find my friend. Yeah, why is there no like Wi-Fi tracking on his Horcruxes? Mm, I mean, you would think there's some sort of wizarding GPS. That actually would probably be like the simplest spell ever. Right? Where is this thing? Or she'd have hired Hermione. She would have done it. Gosh, if Hermione was evil, she'd be so good. Oh, fuck. She would be the Alternate most- Alternate universe? She'd be the most effective <gasps> Death Eater. Look at all the stuff she does as a good guy. Oh my God, she would have totally like surpass Voldemort at this point. Right? Man. Mm. Fuck. <laughs> every good villain is an alternate universe Hermione Granger. Ooh. So he wants to go back and check about all of the Horcruxes alone to make sure that they are safe. He then tries to think about which is the most at risk. He thinks about how Dumbledore knew his middle name, which might have allowed him to make a connection to the Gaunts. And here's a big problem with it. I am Lord Voldemort is an anagram of your fucking name. <laughs> Somebody can put that together. Someone could go Tom Riddle, hmm, Marvolo. No one's named Marvolo except for this one dude. <laughs> what an idiot. This is why the whole Lord Voldemort nickname is bad to begin with, especially with the anagram thing. If you're trying to hide your lit, uh, very Well, like he needed something that was different than his name, but he didn't want to forget it. So <laughs> it had to be a combination of letters he already had. Like a good password. The Dark Lord sounds so much cooler. He should just, just go the by Lord. the Dark Lord and not yeah. go with I am Lord Voldemort. Oh, it's French for flight of death, everyone. It's really good, yeah, I promise. Yeah, but also there has to be an I am in there. Right. You know, it just seems mm -hmm. a little bit superfluous. Uh -huh. Like stick to one like structure as far as like mm -hmm. your, what's the word I'm looking for? 
not iambic pentameter. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get what you're saying, but I am not good enough at literature to get know what it is. Get your literature in shape. It was my lowest SAT score. <laughs> oh no. I still did great on the SATs, but Literature English was the only the worst one I did one. well in, and I can't answer this question. I do get a little upset when people leave reviews and they're like, oh, sometimes he misses stuff. His reading comprehension might be bad. It's like, hey, I did fine on the reading, reading com comprehension That's such section. such a specific mm -hmm. fucking insult. Mm-hmm, right? Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all okay. Good. It's all good. I got a lot of reviews that say very nice things, and I focus on those instead. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so he decides that he's going to check the Gaunt house first. Voldemort thinks that the one in Hogwarts is safe because there's no way Harry's gonna get in without detection. And Voldemort thinks that it can't hurt to warn Snape that Harry might return, but don't say why so that he doesn't know exactly what's going on. Which is like another bad leadership move. Like you gotta keep people uh, in the know. Yeah. It's like the do it because I said so mentality. It's not getting anywhere. Yeah, especially- I think we're on Voldemort's side right now, actually. We're trying to improve his strategy. <laughs> He's just, we see room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> and we just want to help you be a more effective leader. Voldemort, we're here for your, your quarterly review. <laughs> it's really what we're it is. We're here to talk about your performance. Just want to have a quick touch base here, As Voldemort. Your leadership style is a bit lacking. <laughs> <laughs> your you really uh, subordinates a... appear to be terrified of you. Um, <laughs> and your personal hygiene is not fit for an office space. We see that you're not wearing shoes. We see that you're not. Little gross. <laughs> oh boy. So he leaves for the gaunt shack with Nagini and Harry snaps back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. And he just <laughs> says, he knows. Harry then relays to the squad that the last Horcrux is in Hogwarts, then saying, I knew it, which I don't know that he really knew it. Knew it. He just said, let's go to Hogwarts. I don't know if he said it's definitely going to be in there, but. Take the credit you need. Well, Harry. I mean, like at this point, like he, I mean, he's got this sort of connection to Voldemort. Maybe he can kind of have hunches that are like a little bit stronger than sure. like I have a feeling it's here. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Maybe we should be trusting Harry's hunches. Yeah, I get it. Might as well, especially when you have nothing else to go on. Literally nothing. So Harry wants to go right away. Hermione wants a plan. Harry fears Voldemort moving for it right away, so he says that they should just go to Hogsmeade now and then make a plan after seeing what's up, and they apparate away. And that's the end of chapter 27, and then we get into chapter 28, The Missing Mirror, where we learn that Harry's thought process here is really fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione, who has never been wrong about anything when it comes to being on the run, nope. thinks maybe let's take a second, and Harry's like, no, we've got no, this. No. Chapter 27, they don't got they don't this. They don't got this. That's what it should be called. Chapter 28, they don't got they this. They don't got this. And what was 27? Like riding a dragon. What do we call it? Like sleeping the on a dragon. Final, the final hiding place, which this is the ideal chapter title where you don't really know what they're talking about. Because when I first thought this and they said the final hiding place, I was like, oh, it's the last time that they're camping. But then what are Thank God. For the <laughs> love of God, get them away from campsites. Nothing good <laughs> happens at campsites. <sighs> but then what it actually is, is the final hiding place of the horror crux. It's a good little twist. Same kind of thing here with the missing mirror, which we will learn what it is in a little bit. So as soon as they land in Hogsmeade, there's a scream and a bunch of Death Eaters bursting out of the three broomsticks. So just horrible decision-making by Harry Potter. It gets really dark, so they can't see very well. Someone tries Accio Cloak, which doesn't work, but I respect it. The what if they said Accio Invisibility Cloak? Might have like, worked. What if they accidentally just pulled one of their friend's clothes off? I'm trying to think if there's some other way. Like maybe you say Accio Harry's shoes, and then he trips. Like there's, you, oh, I feel like Accioing specific 
specific things doesn't get used enough. Yeah, honestly, like, it's basically telekinesis. Like, mm-hmm. you just gotta be smart about it. Like, if anyone ever wears an accessory, they're screwed. You just act, I guess, Accio, whatever I guess it would make is. them come off, but like, if they had a necklace and you do Accio necklace, it'll pull them by their throat, you know? Yeah. I feel you like Accioing little things, Accio someone's underpants, you know, yeah. they fall over. They'd fall over or and get really under, Like, how strong is this thing? Will mm-hmm. it rip the underpants off? Right. These are the important questions. These are what people come to Potterhouse for. <laughs> if you want in-depth stuff, go to some other Harry Potter podcast. If you want to hear me ask stupid-ass questions, Potterless. Yeah, but like, what if your shoes were on too tight? Would it just rip your feet off? Mm-hmm. Like, this could be torture. Right? Like, rip off someone's earrings. Like, that would fucking hurt. Yeah. Or, ooh, if someone's got cavity fillings. You could just, you could just accio someone's teeth. Right? <laughs> what, is, what is keeping... What it? What, There's, what, why do we have these other curses? <laughs> you just need Accio. I have found. I'm. I have a compiled list of if I ever land an interview, J.K. Rowling, just asking her the most ridiculous of questions, oh and now one will be: What are the limits of Accio? <laughs> I.e. teeth. Can I take out the? She'll teeth? be like, "Don't you want to ask me anything about my writing process?" No, I just got to know why you switched it to Deluminator, J.K. Oh Rowling. That's right. So the squad sneaks down an alley, and Harry then says, they were ready for us. Uh, no shit, Harry. Uh, it's funny. It's like Hermione just said that a page before. <laughs> I don't know if you've read the books. <laughs> so the Death Eaters can't find the squad, so they start coming up with a plan out loud. They consider using Dementors, since they won't kill him, it would just suck out his soul. And this made me think, I feel like Dementors have been very underutilized by... The Death Eaters. Well, they, they do bring them out fairly often. Like, I mean, they're around Azkaban. Like, they bring them around Hogwarts. Like, they, they have them floating around, I feel like, low-key in a lot of places. I feel like they're in key locations, but, for example, when they're going around trying to find either muggles or muggle-born people and potentially Harry when it was Greyback and a couple other people, why didn't they also bring one Dementor? Right? Just have, like, a Can Dementor you in your party. I don't know. Yeah. How do you talk to them? Mm, (laughs) Through your fears. Yeah, right? Yeah. I'd like to order three Dementors, please. Yeah. Hmm. What's the hiring process like? You think your questions for J.K. Rowling would be dumb. (laughs) You're going to have to send in a resume. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they are pretty underutilized considering how much they can do, but they're also not conspicuous at all. That's very true. Like, if there's Dementors in the area, you fucking know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they make everything around them cold and dark and gross. Right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Harry is scared because he knows that if he does a Patronus, it'll give away their location. They try to disapparate, but there is some sort of hex preventing them from doing so. The squad then retreats down the side street, quote, groping their way along the wall. and That's what I do to walls. mm -hmm, Just love a good wall grope. (laughs) Then 10 plus Dementors show up, and Harry thinks of Ron and Hermione and does expecto Patron. Also, I love that that, they added in specifically. It's like, Harry thought about Ron and Hermione, and then he was able to cast a Patron. She's like, oh, cute. Very sweet. He's like, I'll think about my two buds that are next to me right now. We're all about to die, but I'll think about them. The Death Eaters, of course, see it, and then a metal door opens, and a rough voice voice says, Potter, in here, quick. And I thought first here that it was Mad-Eye Moody, who yeah, I'm still not voice. convinced is dead. And the other thing that made me think it is that they are under the invisibility cloak and Mad-Eye Moody uh, usually knows. But then I remembered that when he may or may not have died, he lost his eye and then it was in Umbridge's and then Harry took it and then buried it under that really gnarled tree. What so, if it grows a tree? Uh, an eye Eyeball tree. tree. <laughs> Eyeball tree. Book eight. Mm, Harry Potter and the Eyeball, Eyeball Tree. tree. 
Halloween special. <laughs> so they go in through the door, and the voice says, upstairs, keep the cloak on. And I'm very convinced that it's Moody at this point. It's not Moody. That so, is a good guess, though. That's a really good guess. I mean, I thought it was good, but... I, I feel all right about it, especially given that who it ends up being is someone that I never would have known that they were actually going to meet. I thought this dude might have been dead. Right. The squad goes upstairs and they realize that they're in the Hogshead, which is great. And we then learn that it's the Hogshead barman. So I still was not convinced that it was him, though, because I thought it might have been Polyjuice Potion. Mm-hmm. Which is Moody like my favorite thing stuff. in this book. Mm-hmm. Polyjuice Potion abound. You can't trust anyone ever. It's like watching a Mission Impossible movie once they start doing the whole mask thing. Oh, yeah. Anytime you're watching a Mission Impossible movie, it's like, I can't trust that anyone is anyone. Anyone is anyone. Because they can just change their faces and voices willy-nilly, so who knows what's up. Mm. So still wasn't trusting it at this point. Through the window, the squad sees this person arguing with the Death Eaters, claiming that the Patronus was his. And one of the Death Eaters says, that wasn't your Patronus, it was Potter's, it was a stag. And he goes, stag? You idiot. And I, I want to hear like this your version of, your audiobook version of this. I would love to do it. I have a great time doing doing Voldemort and Snape voices. (laughs) Then he does Expecto Patronum to show them and a huge horned creature emits. The Death Eater says that's not what he saw, but says it less confidently. Mm. Another Death Eater claims that curfew was broken, so regardless, they're in the right. And the barman says, if I want to let my cat out, I will. And at that point, again, I wrote my notes, this has to be moody. Oh my God. Also, the idea of letting your cat out, like, do you have to accompany your cat? It's not like letting your dog out. Right. Like waiting for them to like pee and then come back in. Mm-hmm. Like you let your cat out and then like hope it comes back. Yeah, it will eventually. It'll be fine. So, he, so like already, like this is a, not a very sound story, my friend. <laughs> One of the Death Eaters then asks, did you set off the caterwauling charm? And here's a question. Is caterwauling a regular word or is this a Harry Potter word? I think it's a Harry Potter word. Okay. Just in case, we're going to go to beloved segment with our UK correspondent, Dottie James, for some British quandaries. And now it is time for British quandaries with UK correspondent, Dottie James. Hey, it's Editing Mike. Unfortunately, Dottie was unable to record her British quandary section, but I'm happy to report that caterwauling is an English term meaning to yell like a cat, like when a cat shrieks. This has been British Quandaries with Editing Mike. Wow, Dottie, thanks so much for letting us know whether or not that was British or magic. The (laughs) eternal question that I have on this podcast. (laughs) British or magic? I thought treacle tarts were a Harry Potter thing. Oh, they're not? No, yeah, they're real. What's a treacle? It's it's just like a British baked good. They make them on the Great British Bake Off. They're like a circular thing with some like fruit gelatin-y thing, and then there's a crusty, like an apple crust of stars. It's like a mini pie, basically. For those listening at home, the hand gestures being made (laughs) right now are just like nothing short of fantastic. (laughs) I can picture exactly what this thing is. Uh, I feel like I should have some sort of video component to Potteros because I am not Italian at all, but I grew up in (laughs) the most Italian part of New Jersey that exists, and I literally can't talk without my hands moving. It's amazing he hasn't smacked the mic. (laughs) Oh, I've done. I just edited it all out when it happens. I've smacked the pop filter off many occasions. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the Death Eaters and the barman argue back and forth. The barman says that they should be thankful that he keeps quiet about all the illegal stuff that he lets them do in his bar. A Death Eater pipes up and says, I still think it was a stag Patronus. And then he gets very mad, all caps mad, and says, stag, it's a goat, idiot. And the Death Eaters admit that they messed up and then they just leave. The squad is relieved and Harry, as the barman is coming up, he sees a small rectangular mirror on the mantelpiece, which is underneath the portrait of a blonde girl. Ooh. And mirror makes me thinking, ooh, this could be very interesting. Because I had never really thought about the other mirror, which makes sense because Sirius gave Harry this mirror right. and I didn't realize that Sirius would need to have a matching mirror on the other side right, of it. It's like, a, it's FaceTime. Ooh, it is, wizard <laughs> FaceTime. So when they mentioned another mirror, then I was like, oh, okay. This could be the other mirror for the fragment. This is how the person knows where Harry is, sending Dobby, et cetera, et cetera. The barman then enters the room. First thing he says, you bloody fools, which very good. Yep. <laughs> Harry approaches and sees that behind this dude's glasses are piercing blue eyes, which is always what Harry described Dumbledore's eyes as and the eye that he keeps seeing in the mirror. And Harry makes that realization that these and are the this eyes. This man stole Dumbledore's eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's Jeepers Creepers, that movie from 2001. <laughs> Halloween special. Oh, so God. when Harry keeps talking about how much these eyes look like Dumbledore, then I realize, oh, is this Aberforth? Mm -hmm. And a couple sentences later, it is Aberforth. So Harry asks where he got the mirror. And Aberforth says that he got it from Mundungus a year ago after Dumbledore told him what it was, which makes sense because Mundungus was stealing and selling off all of Sirius's old stuff. He says that he's been trying to keep a lookout for Harry. And Ron asks about the silver dough, saying, oh, looking after us, you must have sent the silver dough. And Aberforth says something which might be my favorite quote in the entire series, which is, with brains like that, you could be a Death Eater. Yes. <laughs> and he goes on to say, haven't I proven my Patronus is a goat? Very good. Very good. Very, very good. Ron says, oh, well, I'm hungry, which I can also relate to. Right, literally, it's like, oh, I've just been totally put in my place. Let's change the topic to food. Mm -hmm. I will say, if I am not well-fed, if I'm underfed, if you will, which I have pronounced underfed as underfed on Potterless, if you didn't catch that one. Underfed. I even Googled what does underfed mean, because I thought it was a British thing, and I was like, malnourished, huh? Underfed. Lacking food, yeah. Oh, my fucking God. Real bad. So, just feeling a little underfed. Today. But I can understand it. when I'm underfed, I am a zombie, so I want to get derfed. <laughs> derfed. I want to get fed. Let's get derfed. <laughs> Let's get derfed. Uh, I want to get fed so that I can be more on it. So I, I understand Ron's explanation here, but also Ron's being very thick. Speaking of getting fed, past Mike, you got to get that bread so you can get fed. So let's take a little bit of a break because it's time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Boosted. Let's say that you are a student at Hogwarts and you are trying to get to class quickly because you're running late and the staircases move, but uh, you can't use magic or your broom within school grounds in the hallways. What are you gonna do to get a class quickly? A regular skateboard isn't gonna get you there fast enough. You know what will? A Boosted board. Boosted's vehicle-grade electric skateboards and scooters are the modern solution to your transportation woes. They have a 22-mile range and can go up to 20 
24 miles an hour, which is incredible. That is all the speed and range of a bike without having to pedal. All you gotta do is push a button. It's great. So it's perfect if you're trying to just run to the store, commute to work, or get to Transfiguration on time. They have five different options to choose from, including a scooter, the Boosted Rev. So whatever your preferences are, Boosted has the right electric vehicle for you. And you can get one starting for $61 a month with financing, which is cheaper and less smelly than a monthly subway metro card here in New York City. Boosted sent me the Stealth Board to try out, which has crazy ridiculous top speeds. I used the Eco setting, which is a very nice way of saying not too fast, but not feeling like a baby about it. It was great, commuted to the Multitudio, all things were wonderful, but one thing that I think is underrated is that the board can break and go in reverse, so when I was going down hills, it was nice and easy to slow on down. I used to longboard in college, and I hated going down hills because I'd have to keep stomping my foot to keep my speed in check because I'm a wuss and I don't want to go that fast, so the Boosted board let me break. I loved it. And right now, Boosted is offering Potterless listeners $75 off the purchase of an electric vehicle if you use the promo code Potterless at checkout. So go to BoostedBoards.com, pick whichever board or scooter is the best fit for you, and then at checkout, use promo code Potterless, you'll get $75 off. Again, BoostedBoards.com, promo code Potterless at checkout, $75 off, so you can ensure that you are never late to class in Hogwarts, despite the stairs trying to make it so, again. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. (laughs) 
So yep. they then eat and start to come up with a plan. Yeah, I love how the next thing is like, he's like, oh, here, have this feast that I've got lying around. <laughs> like, I was like, this man lives alone with like, I don't know, a fucking goat or something. And a cat. And a cat. He doesn't actually have a goat, but Patronus has a goat. Still, he, he um, could live with it. I, I, for some reason in my head, I remembered goats being around. This guy loves fucking goats. I mean, I mean he fucking loves goats. Okay, Ooh, very important <laughs> place of fucking. <laughs> Ooh, this guy loves goats. So it's just him. Mm-hmm. Like, why does he have all this food around? Especially if, like, there's a curfew. Nobody's going to the bar at night to, like, buy food at the hog's head. I mean, if I lived in an establishment that served food, I would also have lots of the food ready. So maybe downstairs is all bar and he just puts extra food upstairs run over food, maybe. Like he's got the comically large Costco supplies of all the different stuff. Wizard Costco. Wizard Costco. It should happen. They decide that they have to wait until day with the whole curfew thing. They're not going to be able to sneak away from the Death Eaters. Abbeforth says just to get the hell out and go up to the mountains. And he mentions that they might see Hagrid and Grop up there because they've been in hiding ever since they tried to get arrested. Or Tried to arrest ha- uh, Hagrid. Exactly. Ever since, I don't know, what, what would they be arresting him for being a half-giant? Like, what would be... Well, I mean, it's a nice little, like, foreshadowing to, like, oh. the state of Hogwarts. Ooh. Like, you don't know. Okay, okay, interesting. I'll have to cross that bridge when I get to it. Harry then says that he can't because he has a job from Dumbledore to complete... Aberforth then gets very grumpy after hearing this. When Harry brings up the Order of the Phoenix, Aberforth says that it's over, they've lost, come to grips with it, it's done. He's such a fucking downer. He is, he's a big quitter. I went from really liking him to not liking him at all very quickly because he's just a big baby. Right, at first you're like, oh, like, they accept ex machina, or however you say it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, suddenly, like, there's this guy who's, like, here to save everything, and, like, he's gonna explain everything. Right. But then he starts talking, and you're like, ah, you just suck. Mm -hmm. It's almost like if the Dursleys... And Dumbledore had a baby. Oh, yeah. He goes into why he sucks, so I kind of get it, but he's still a very grumpy person. Yeah, and you know, if there's some, you meet somebody that sucks, the first thing they do is sit you down and tell you why they suck. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, and, I mean, he's great in other areas. He did give them food right away. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Immediate food. Okay, all is forgotten. So... Harry says that he has to do it because Dumbledore told him to do so. And Aberforth asks, was he completely honest? And there's absolutely silence. And then he says, I knew it. Which, mm-hmm. pretty good point, Aberforth. such a good sibling dig, you right? know? Where it's the sort of thing that like only like you, like your brother would know to say about you. Like somebody right. that's that close that like, mm-hmm. it's like how you can insult your siblings, but nobody else can. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I feel like he's on that level. And it's a thing when, when you have to say something negative about your siblings, sibling or your best friend or something, because you know them on a more deeper level, you know, first off, the type of thing that will set them off the most, which has come up in the past in the books, like with Harry yelling at Lupin and and things like that. But you also know their worst little traits. It's like if anyone was like, oh, I hung out with your sister last week, I'd be like, was she on time? (laughs) Oh, no. That's me. That's me. Did he say he'd be there in five minutes and then show up in 15? (laughs) He said traffic's really bad, didn't he? <laughs> I am perpetually late to everything. Just the most passive-aggressive brother. <laughs> Abbeford then goes on about Dumbledore being secretive, and he looks to the painting. Hermione asks if the painting is Ariana, which I didn't even think, but makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Abbeford then confirms. 
He asks, oh, so I see you've been reading Rita Skeeter. And Harry butts in and says, no, we heard about it from Doge to try to save face. Right. But doesn't work too well because Aberforth also doesn't like Doge, saying <laughs> that he thought that the sun shot out of Dumbledore's every, every orifice. orifice. Which is a very nice way to say asshole. Which is great because, <laughs> I mean, for the I, I don't have a copy of this in front of me. But I did remember that specific term and being like, oh, God, why? Because she can't say the real expression. Oh, my God. <laughs> because it's a children's book. Harry doesn't want to hear this because he's made up his mind, which is a hard same. Anytime I've set my sights on something, I'm like, yep, I've made my decision. I'm going to do this. And someone's like, hey, actually, here's a bad thing. Ugh. Hate it. Yeah. Hate it it's so like, Actually, much. there was a bad review about that place. Uh, no. But we, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the review thing, it's you want to buy something online or you stay at a hotel or whatever it is, and all the reviews are really great, but then there's one really poignant one-star review. And you're like, fuck. Well, then it's always so hard with the reviews because is this actually true or is this person just the worst? Just, just angry. And that's the thing is that's been happening with him in Dumbledore basically this entire book. Yeah. Since Dumbledore died, all the information he's been getting about Dumbledore was like, yeah, wait, have you ever uh, really thought and considered, right? you know, him sending you out and doing stuff as a child? But it's also never from good people because it's Rita Skeeter mm -hmm. and Mathilda Bagshot and now Aberforth, who has clearly got a grudge against his brother. Right. So it's not like he's gotten that from Molly Weasley mm -hmm. or somebody else from the Order. Hagrid, people he trusts. Right. So he hasn't gotten the trustworthy review. Mm -hmm. But he's this. But the reviews are still there. They're piling up, but they're mm -hmm. all from users with no picture on their profile and then a bunch of numbers after their name. Exactly. Ryan 08653245. Which one star service made me fight a basilisk by myself. <laughs> <laughs> wish I could give it zero out of five stars. <laughs> wish headmaster ever. That's my favorite review for anything. I wish I could make this thing work. <laughs> Uh, so good. I, someone probably has left their review for Potteress. I wish I could give it zero out of five stars. Hermione says that Dumbledore really cared for Harry, and Aberforth says, sure, but the people that Dumbledore cared for would have been better off without him. Mm. Hermione asks if he's talking about Ariana, which clearly strikes a nerve with Aberforth. Also, which clearly he is, you know? <laughs> yeah, not a great he's Standing in to front ask. of a giant portrait of his dead sister. Right? Like, if we've learned anything about Hermione, if she has any sort of fault, it's her social awareness, I, which I guess if she was a D&D &D character would be charisma. Like she would be a zero, zero with a minus whatever, always rolling disadvantage, right. never solid in the terms of social interaction or reading the room. <laughs> reading, not reading the room. Exactly. Reads everything but the room. Please read the room that, as you mentioned, has a giant painting of Ariana <laughs> in it. Maybe With no other pictures they mentioned. There's nothing else in the entire room. And this place room. is dingy and awful, and his only light of his life is his dead-ass sister. He only has one lamp, and it's pointed at this painting. <laughs> it's a gallery of one. <laughs> so he goes into the story, and he says that when Ariana was six, she got attacked by three muggle boys who saw her doing magic, and then beat her up when she couldn't repeat the trick that they saw her do. So what we're led to believe by this story is that she was outside, she did some magic, and these muggle boys walking by saw her. They went through the bushes or whatever and 
bugged her about it and then beat her up, which you pointed out before we started recording yeah. that it seems like J.K. Rowling wanted to put something worse in here, but then I did. But it's, it's also very ambiguously worded. Right. Like, and it's not, they don't necessarily say like, oh, beat her up. He's like, right. They say something about the boys getting carried away. And yeah, just like, carried oh, away, great. I think is the exact like, phrasing of it. Like another, like, important female character who her only like plot point is that like she got like taken advantage of probably yeah and you're like really is this mm-hmm. how we're doing this now jk like come on and this is now the third instance where something really bad has happened but we don't know what it is and i understand that it's a book for kids and you don't want to necessarily put something in that that's bad right but then it just leaves the mind to wander and which is and you have worse. no idea so we have no idea what Voldemort did to the people in the cave mm-hmm. we have no idea what happened to bertha jorkins mm-hmm. we have no idea what happened to ariana here but it can all be heavily but it's all implied. like insinuated and it just like ugh, it just gives you an awful awful feeling which is maybe what she was trying to do she's like right. how do i instill that same dread without describing this terrible thing mm-hmm. but it's still like Oh, there's other ways. Yeah. I, do, I don't know. Uh, it's it, it, it's not great, and it's gross, and it says she was never right again after, mm. which is a very, like, that's very much a way you phrase things when some sort of yes, assault, assault happens. assault has happened. And also to, like, like, just reinforce that stereotype, that narrative that, like, someone who survives assault is never right again, mm-hmm. and you are broken forever because you're a woman, and if this happens to you, then you're done for forever. And right. you're just like, uh... uh Come on, we can do better than that. Yeah, not not great. I was about to say, it's 2019, we can do better than that, but I don't remember what this was. This was 2008, I think, which yeah. is a long time ago, but still, Not long enough. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel great reading this, which I guess yeah. is the point. Which is the point, but it's like, I'm grumbling for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, yeah, you're grumbling because of a stereotype and just saying like, oh, you know, this is a thing that happens right. where, I don't know. Ugh. She's like, how can we, you know what it is? It's like, how can we make a female character tragic? Yeah. I fucking hate that That's, shit. Yeah, there You it know, is. like, how do you make any character tragic? You don't have to just fucking assault everybody. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, get up to JK's face. Like, you don't have to assault everybody. Right. I mean, she could have had these same struggles without it being assault. Yeah. Like, she could have, I don't know, they had a family cat and she accidentally killed the cat with magic. And then never wanted to do again. Oh my God. And then there it's it is. like, cool, she didn't have something gross happen to her, but she still doesn't want to use magic because that one time I did, I got hurt. That literally, I've just said the plot of uh, Frozen. I almost <laughs> killed my sister one time. I don't want to use my snow powers, <laughs> even though I can create sentient life out of snow. Let me just put on some gloves and hide in my room forever. If I ever do make good. some sort of spinoff thing, I will talk for hours upon end about of, how of fucked Frozen? up Frozen is and how it's criminally overrated. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's it's the same thing. You could do something like that. You almost exactly. hurt a family member or you killed the family pet or something right. bad happens without it having to be three muggle boys saw you and then did some stuff that we're going to be no, vague about. Gonna talk about. Yeah, mm, not great. Anyway, oh, I wish I could give it zero stars. <laughs> so from then on, she refused to do magic, but it would just explode out of her against her will, and it was dangerous, <laughs> which I am now labeling the wet dream theory, uh, which, you know, if you... Just saying, if if you're got, just saying explode out of you. I mean, as a boy with boy parts, <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't come out every now and then, it will without you trying to get it to do so. And that's exactly what this This feels like. This has been Potterless Anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you about the birds and the bees, everyone. And I know that now, because I've seen the first Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movie, 
and there's the whole obscurus thing. This is different from that, right? Yes, okay. definitely. This is this is like when you think back to like magical things happening to Harry, like mm-hmm. in book one, like like the glass disappears and stuff like that. Like sure. where it's like okay. those were the beginnings of like your magical whatever appearing, right. your magical abilities mm-hmm. appearing. And then so then like flash forward, like had he not gone to school, the mm. idea is that those would have just continued into right. bigger and bigger things. True. Okay. Yeah. But saying they explode out of you, like you could just be like, shit happened around them. Yeah. Makes it sound much less like projectile vomiting. Yeah. You know? I just, the thing of it happening every now and then is. <laughs> every now. It's just too just easy. every so often. Just too easy to point to a parallel. Usually so, in the morning. So then Aberforth goes up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> very good. The, back. <laughs> the, the father then got locked up for attacking those boys. He never explained why, because if the ministry saw what Ariana had become, they would have locked her up in St. Mungo's forever. Which, like, wizard healthcare. Come on. Yeah, not great. You have family members willing to care for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reason being is that she would have been a threat to secrecy. But the fact that that's what it would have come to and the ministry would not be okay with them as a family watching over her in their house, keeping her safe, that's fucked up just knowing Right, that. it goes from zero to imprisonment real fast. Yeah, which that Drake song, just not as good. <laughs> oh my God. So then Aberforth goes on this weird jealous rant about how he was his sister's favorite because Dumbledore was too busy with his studies and communications with other powerful wizards at the time. This is very a la, like old guy starts telling you his story and then suddenly like it becomes like an 18 page long thing mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, and by the way, I was the best at bocce when <laughs> I was, you know, and you're like, what the fuck? We were, Where, we're how did we, I asked you if, <laughs> if you miss your sister. Yeah, right? So Aberforth then goes on to say that when Ariana was 14, she had a fit of rage and Aberforth wasn't there. Their mom wasn't as good at calming her down as Aberforth was and she couldn't handle it and Ariana killed Kendra by accident. Albus then came home. He was about to do his big trip with Doge and he settled down as the head of the family. Despite Aberforth volunteering for this position, saying that he wanted to do it, Dumbledore instead required that Aberforth finish his schooling, which is a good move, I guess. But Can you take a gap year at Hogwarts? I don't know. Or finish your classes at home. Like, is there, like, online? <laughs> yeah, the 90s. yeah, but something where you can do it. web. I don't know. I feel like you should be able to take a gap year if you need it. Yeah, right? But I don't know. I, I get what Dumbledore's trying to do here. He's trying to provide for his family and make sure everything's okay. And he wants his little brother to right. get his degree. And the idea that it's te- is that it's temporary. Right. And that when, you know, hopefully by the end when he graduates, he can come back and take care of her if that's what he still wants to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Everything was going okay until Dumbledore met Grindelwald, according to Aberforth. Dun, dun, dun. Once Dumbledore had an equal to speak with, taking care of Ariana took a back seat and he wasn't as attentive. Fellow nerd. He found <laughs> another nerd. He did. He found someone that he could nerd out about wizardry stuff to, and he just got way too caught up to mm-hmm. it. So at some point in the future, Aberforth and Grindelwald got into a heated argument, which ended with Grindelwald using Crucio on Aberforth and then Dumbledore stepping in trying to stop him and then all three of them just dueling like madmen. I know, and what happened to like, you know, him first learning about the unforgivable curses and then being this horrible, horrible thing. Right. And then, and now I feel like by book seven, it's like the equivalent of like flicking somebody off. Like when you're a kid, you're told like, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. But then like as an adult, you're just like doing it like willy nilly. And I feel like even when they're, like, breaking into Gringotts, like, they're using unforgivable curses left and fucking right. Yeah. Like, the good guys are doing it. Right. And you're like, wait a minute, when did this become, like, an okay thing? Like, I, an okay, but kind of like, oh, like, tisk tisk, how dare you? Yeah. But, like, 
suddenly like everybody seems to have been doing it all this time. Is it something they just like kept from kids so they wouldn't try it? Feels it feels weird because when we're introduced to them, which is book four when they really go into it mm-hmm. during quote unquote Moody's teaching lessons. And about that was it. supposed to be so like such a big deal that he did. So that. risque that he even brought mm-hmm. it up. But it does seem strange that early on, you're right. It's like, you can't do these. They're unforgivable. You will get put in jail immediately. Only Voldemort has ever done this. Yeah. And like, now people do it all the time. Yeah. And what's weird is that even Harry is doing them and you're like, Oh, but he's doing it for the right reasons, which is not, not good. Not a great, thing. It's like, I don't know, he did this really bad thing, but no, no, his intentions were good because then that's a really moral gray area Mm -hmm. that we don't want to get into. But yeah, you've got kids just doing it. Yeah, like... Breaking into a bank doing doing unforgivable unforgivable curses. curses. And it's just fine. So yeah, I feel like the stakes of them have lowered as it's gone on. Right. And I don't know whether that's supposed to be like, because we're seeing it from Harry's perspective, like whether that's supposed to be like an aging up into like a horrible world kind of thing and like things Mm -hmm. all become a little bit more gray. Or whether that's, you know, JK just trying to raise the stakes. Right. It could just be a schooling thing because when I was in fourth grade, it was very much like, you cannot say the F word. It is the worst thing to say. And then once you get into high school, you're saying it every other word. And I'm pretty sure I've said it like 68 times since we've been here. Yeah. (laughs) You can tell me if that's true after you edit. I will. I've never counted, but (laughs) I do edit some of mine out every now and then when I can get a clean splice because my mom keeps promising me that she'll listen to Potterless, but still hasn't mastered that podcasting app on her phone. Oh. One day she'll get there. Mom, I know you're out there listening. Download her. Just download her another app. Just <laughs> I've don't her. wait for Apple. They're not waiting for us. <laughs> I've told her so many times. She's also been like, how do I do Patreon? It's like, come on, mom, you oh, can do this. No. But also don't, mom, don't. You're my mom. You don't have to support me on Patreon. Just like when I come home for Christmas, give me some food. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> you, you kind of like supported me in more than anyone else has. I think we're good. I we're, think we're even. We're fine. You helped me out with tuition. Like you don't you, <laughs> you don't have to. You help me out with being born. Yeah, if you want I can send you email files with all the bonus content yeah. if you need it, Barbara. Like, I know. You don't have to support. But if I want to, it. Michael. No, mom, it's fine. So the flashing lights and the bangs of this duel set Ariana off. She wanted to help but didn't know how. She got caught in the whole mix and then died. They don't really explain how it happened. They're not sure who Right, is did anybody it. throwing around the cruciata curse like here we are right and i don't know if the killing curse was getting thrown around too but basically it just seems like a lot of bad stuff was getting thrown around and then you throw someone else into the mix it's Maybe not hit good. With like three things at once or something yeah it's like if you i don't know if you played with hot wheels as a kid but there's oh, this duh. there's this set called crisscross crash yeah and they crash together in the yeah. air whoever came up with that is the Genius. most brilliant engineer, designer of all time. It was a Hot Wheels course that was just designed to have as many intersections as possible. You would put like 8D batteries in it. A million. And then it would rev up these little motors that would launch your car into a crisscross pattern. And then there would be loops that would just make your car go back. The whole purpose was, let's make Hot Wheels cars run into each other. Exactly. I mean, literally, so I'm one of four. And so that's part, we had... We would set up four ramps in the living room and everybody uh-huh. drops their car at the same time to try to crash into each yes. other. And this was just the automated version of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, oh, very good. Yeah, crisscross crash was <laughs> incredible. We used to have like crisscross crash tournaments with my Hot Wheels. Oh where my God, to see which car was the would, strongest. Exactly, you would yeah. get the winner from everyone. There'd be like a bracket. We also used to do that with the big loop one that you attach to the top of a door frame. What, we yeah, know oh, that. Oh, so it's a thing where it comes with a clamp and you clamp it to the top of a door frame and then it's got a big plastic 
classic thing that goes all the way down, does one loop, and then does a jump, Whoa. and then the jump goes on the other side. So we would take all of the Hot Wheels and then one by one do it, and then anyone that won would go on to the next round, and then we would find the best car. Yep. And that car so gets good. put like on the highest place on the shelf. Mm -hmm. It's the number one slot in my little like plastic briefcase of briefcase cars, which rules. I had with all the little things. Yeah, yep. be like that's in the prime A one spot because I know it's like somebody like your mom put your cars away. And you're like you put them in the wrong no, order. Mom, no, come on, the one that's shaped like a rhino has to go here. <laughs> shaped like a rhino. I had one that was shaped like a rhino. There's one. It was like an animal thing where one was shaped like what? a rhino and then one was shaped like a gecko. We had two different gecko ones. They're super sweet. Hot Wheels were great, man. I was so into those. Hot Wheels, I was like Hot Wheels and Marbles were basically the same thing Ooh, for me. Never super into Marbles. I did have a lot of Pogs, but I never played Pogs, Pogs because I was too young. Mm -hmm. I just had them. Just, just have them around the house. You know, just tiny coasters. Oh my God. <laughs> So, yeah. So to get back to the crisscross crash analogy, it's like you're playing that and then you throw five more cars into the mix, which is Ariana, who has no idea what she's doing. Yep, that makes sense. So it just makes things worse. All sorts of shit gets fucked up and she, unfortunately, passes away. She had a real shitty life. Yeah, not great, man. Yeah, because what? This was at age 14? Yeah. Ugh. Short and bad. Didn't even get to finish puberty. Yep. Abbefore then says, but it was okay because this made Dumbledore free from his burdens. And Harry butts in saying that Dumbledore was never free. He cites the book six death potion thing from the Voldemort cave saying that Dumbledore was going on and on while he was having some sort of hallucination saying, don't hurt them, hurt me instead. Harry puts two and two together that this is Dumbledore reliving this moment. And this is something when I had the episode of my buddy Johnny talking about this, we were trying to think what is he's seeing at this point and our guesses or at least my guesses and Johnny did a good job of not spoiling it I thought it's either replaying some awful memory or like a Batman scarecrow thing just showing you your worst fear in the worst possible mm -hmm. way I think this one is more effective and yeah. that one definitely makes sense to be just the worst thing you could see over and over and over again and I'm also, sure that's what he was saying he, this idea that it's like I mean so you know Grindelwald's his friend like, the idea, like, you hear somebody say, like, don't hurt them, hurt me. It mm -hmm. sounds like you're, like, bargaining with, like, a villain that, like, right. as opposed to somebody that, like, you've talked to and, like, is, like, your buddy. Yeah. And so, like, this idea, like, oh, you're, we know you're going to hurt someone, so mm -hmm. do, hurt me. As yeah. opposed to, like, stop hurting people, like you mm -hmm. say to a friend. So it just, it speaks, like, leagues about, like, the type of relationship that they had. Right. That it just seems like it was, like, very fiery but very unstable. Uh-huh. And it's that much worse because it's not just some villain killing your sister. It's maybe not your best friend, but someone that you care very deeply about. Right. And especially because I don't know at what point their relationship was because they talk about Grindelwald starting off with the right ideas and eventually them getting worse and worse. If it was at the point where he was showing signs, Dumbledore is probably very invested in making a good guy out of him. Mm -hmm. So to see it fail first sucks, but to see it fail so dramatically in that it results in the death of your sister, that's there's also, crushing. There's also like another level to this, because you've heard the whole like JK talking about like Dumbledore being gay and all right. that shit. Oh, apparently yeah. she totally cites- Totally in the books. I know, apparently she cites this friendship as, as like proof. Oh yeah, we're supposed to know and from And you're like, this. uh, like, okay. So like if, if there's like something more than friendship going on here, that makes it like triply worse than like, right. it's clearly a horrible relationship. Uh, the Dumbledore being gay thing. I wish he would just would have made it more clear in the books. You right? could, all you gotta do is just, all you gotta do is in this monologue, like right? Dumbledore was gay and ran off with. <laughs> I mean, all, all Aberforth has to do is Aberforth can make some sort of snide comment here. Easy. When Harry is talking to Doge, Doge could make some sort of comment. When Harry's talking to Lupin or anyone else from the order, they can right. mention anything very just 
offhandedly be like, oh yeah, they Doge, could just mention him blah, having blah. the entire box out of a queer eye, like in his office. Yeah, like easy stuff. He cuffed his t-shirts every single time. Every single time, like something. His hair was on point. Like, <laughs> come on, easy. Tim Gunn was his best Tim friend. Gunn. <laughs> I love this Tim Gunn is, with all how, of my heart. <laughs> that's how you get gay. Best friends with Tim Gunn. Designers. Uh, I my mom used to watch the shit out of Project Runway <laughs> when I was doing homework as a kid. I would be doing homework and it would be on the that's TV. Such a good so I just watched a lot of Project Runway by Osmosis. Great show. Season two is top tier pantheon of television programs. I think I might have had the best idea ever, which was redo the Harry Potter movies, recast Dumbledore as RuPaul. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Tim Gunn. <gasps> McGonagall is Tim Gunn. McGonagall's, <laughs> yes! But can you imagine, like, you, like, Students? come into Dumbledore's office, he's like, sachet away. <laughs> like, this little wand, and then, like, it'd be so good. Be, be very good. Be very, very good. Oh, man. So, oh. <laughs> Sorry, what were we and, talking anyway, about? Anyway, don't hurt them. Hurt me instead. After going back and forth about this, Abbeforth asks Harry, how can you be sure you weren't dispensable? How can you be sure he didn't care about the greater good more than you like he did for my little sister? He again brings up Dumbledore not being direct, and Harry says, because sometimes you've got to think about more than your safety. This is war. He says he's going to keep fighting even if Aberforth has given up. Aberforth tries to protest, but Harry very much calls him out on his bullshit, citing the quotes that he said two pages ago about it being over and give up hope, the order is dead, Voldemort's won. Harry says that they have to get into Hogwarts, and they're going to do it with or without Aberforth's help. Aberforth then takes a moment and he approaches the painting and says, you know what to do. And Ariana in the painting then gets up and leaves through a tunnel, which Harry notes is not the normal way that people leave paintings. They mm -hmm. usually just kind of walk out of frame. I know when you first read that description, it kind of wigs your brain out a little bit like, mm -hmm. oh, fuck, they could just do that, I guess. I have so many questions about paintings. I know there is a Pottermore article about them. I'm afraid of reading it because of spoilers, so I'll read it afterwards. Read it at the end. But a lot of my questioning whenever I get the interview of J.K. Rowling, which will never happen, I will ask her about paintings. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she leaves through the tunnel and then she comes back with a figure. And I have been clamoring for Harry to talk to painting Dumbledore since the end of book six. Oh. And I was like, yo, she somehow has access to Dumbledore's painting yeah. in Hogwarts. She went, got him, told to come back. This will be great. Dumbledore will be here. They're going to talk about the plan. He's going to know the best way to get into Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. They're going to scheme. They're going to catch up. This is going to be so Dumbledore's good. Dumbledore's going to totally defend himself against Aberforth and be like, no, you don't understand. You're right. just like my angry brother. There's going to be this whole powwow between oh. Ariana, Aberforth, Dumbledore, the squad. It's going to be so good. But... The figures come closer. The other one is figured as having a lot of hair. And narrator Harry specifically says he's never seen him with that much hair, which makes me think not Dumbledore because he already has a lot Dumbledore of hair. Dumbledore is a ball of hair with like chicken legs. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe not. But then they get so close to the painting, it swings open and it reveals a real tunnel. And who is in the real tunnel? Probably would have been the last on my list. Bottom, but which, like hot Neville Longbottom. Now he's hot. Yes, he's gone through puberty at this point. I mean, I, he's described as having a gross amount of hair. So maybe he gets a haircut in it, some. Just, scene. I don't think she's as gross. Well, <laughs> His hair's I'm long. imagining it to be. I think not I picture you like a Neanderthal. That's what I mean. I was picturing, but yeah, even I mean, I guess I was just picturing 17 year old that's never shaved. Which, oh, so just like which is just really patchy and gross. So not necessarily really long hair, but just, just really gross. bad hair. I like that, that guy in junior of high school or senior of high school. It's like, yeah, I've got a beard. It's like, God, I totally Bobby, forget the beards are a thing. Bobby, you don't. Oh, yeah. Me, I have to shave every other day. Because if I did try to grow a beard, it would be 
very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I like the okay sound. Very bad. Yeah. If you want to see what my facial hair would look like if I didn't shave as much as I do, look up Mario Hazonia. He's a small forward on the New York Knicks. H-E-Z-O-N-J-A. He just doesn't shave as much as he should. And that's what my facial hair would look like. Oh my God. Like a really gross, stubbly goatee situation with a lighter, yeah. patchier cheek stuff. One day I'll be a real boy and have a real facial hair situation. So but until is, then, no. So this, this is what you're the, the, sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Oh, um, oh, oh man. man. Well, yeah. Ooh, anyway, Harry Potter. Yeah. So that is the end of the chapter. It's the end of yeah. chapter I mean, 28. Basically, it was all like a big lead up to revealing like how the Neville actor got hot. Right. Basically. <laughs> like he like got hot over the course of like one like summer between filming or something. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and everybody was like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, we got to make him important now. I know. And they like, gave him teeth and shit. <laughs> oh, did they? Oh, they had in to like the, make him movie, ugly? They had to try to make him uglier because he just like, because when you have kid actors, you don't mm-hmm. know that they're going to turn out like Emma Watson. Sure. Right? So like everybody sort of like grows up and becomes as they become like, you know, Ron gets his funny wormy lips and mm-hmm. like Daniel Radcliffe stops growing. Mm-hmm. But then like Neville just like comes out like sudden like GQ model and they're like, that's the opposite of what we needed. How dare you do this to us? Yeah. Like That dude won the puberty challenge real so hard. hard. Real hard. I'm just like so proud. <laughs> Fun I- fact, I have Neville's wand. Oh, very nice. Like when you took the quiz, you got the exact same thing or you just own a Neville wand? No, I went to a, I was in Harry Potter world and I'm looking Mm -hmm. at all the wands. I was like, this is the one. It speaks to me. I love it. What does it look like? I remember seeing it and thinking that one's really cool. Like twists at the bottom. It's like two, then they like twist together and it's Uh, super cool. Yeah, it is really good. I remember that was one of the best ones. I also really like that they have Death Eater wands, but they don't have specific names. They just have three different Death Eaters. So all the other ones, it'll say like Ginny Weasley, Ron Weasley. You know what? Don't celebrate the villain. It just says, Death Eater dash snake or <laughs> Death Eater dash skull. <laughs> it's very good. It just sounds like types of tattoos you could get. Mm-mm, don't do it. Anyway, that's the end of chapter 28 and that's the end of this episode of Potterless. Hey! How do you feel about these two chapters, Kristen? Um, I feel like a whole lot of shit happens in <laughs> yeah. the second one and the first right? one's a magical little dragon ride. It is. It's just a little primer. Exactly. I always ask Kelly before... Pl- wow. I've now smacked the pop filter smacked twice pop since filter. mentioning it. I always run it by Kelly to tell me which chapters I should do for the guests. And this one specifically, after I finished chapter 26, I was like, okay, let me look at chapter 27. Oh yeah, that one can't be on its own. It was a yeah. it was a four second decision to be like, you gotta put 27 or 28 together. And it's good because 28 literally is like one of those cornerstone episodes where so many things get answered all at once in the form uh-huh. of an old man monologue, which right. is like a little tropey, but I'm here mm-hmm. for it. It's fine. I like that we got to meet Aberforth. I didn't even fathom that we would. I don't know why, but I assumed he was dead. I mean, because you assume that it happened so long ago. How fucking right. old was Dumbledore, right? After yeah. the Philosopher's Stone stuff. Isn't he mm-hmm. supposed to be 80 bazillion? Something like that, roughly. Give or take a few bazillion. Yeah. So, he's super old. But yeah, super fun chapters. Learning yeah. a bunch. I know. It's so nice to revisit. I haven't Harry Pottered in so long. I'm glad I could allow you to do so. I am very confused about what happens next. I was not expecting Neville Longbottom to show up. Much less all beat up. Right? All yeah. beat up and hairy right. and friends with Ariana. Very intrigued. Things are Has happening. he been at school? Has he been on the run? What's his plan? Where does this tunnel go? I mean, it just raises the questions. What's been going on at Hogwarts this whole camping trip? I really want to know, and I'm surprised that at this point, there has not been a spinoff of what happened at Hogwarts Right, you haven't even like read it in the Daily Prophet, you know? Like, yeah. We're missing out on Ginny Weasley being top Weasley at Hogwarts and being top person at Hogwarts. Top person maybe in the world. Oh, easily. We're also missing out on McGonagall sass against Headmaster Snape because oh. they're 
has to be some good salt and shade being thrown. It would be incredible. How can there not be? Those are the two things that I need That's to see the most. I mean, I always, eternally, I'm excited for more McGonagall and more Ginny. And we've gotten, I don't think we've gotten a, I don't know if McGonagall's even, she hasn't been in the fucking book yet. Probably not. Seventh is my least favorite book now. <laughs> There's no McGonagall. Yep. She better. I hope she does a bunch of shit. Zero stars. Uh, I wish I could give it zero, zero stars. <laughs> I ordered as many McGonagalls as I could get, and I got none. I got nothing. Oh, man. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining. This has been a blast and a half. so much fun. If people want to hear your voice or see you on the internet, where can they find you? If you want to find me on the internet, I'm all over the Twitter. My handle is kdimerk, K-D-I-M-E-R-C. Um, you can also hear me anywhere podcasts are heard. I'm in Ars Paradoxica. I'm in Archive 81. I'm in Greater Boston. I'm in Station to Station. I'm in Kako's Industries. I'm in, oh God, Far Meridian a little bit. I'm in, uh, I do this little Star Tripper thing. I don't uh-huh. know. I don't ask me to name them all, please. <laughs> and you're also in the occasional training video, depending on who your employer oh, is. Okay, this is my big thing. I'm actually doing audiobooks now. That's like super Penguin cool. Random House. And so um, a little bit witch adjacent. So I'll be doing the audiobook for These Witches Don't Burn, which is a YA novel about a lesbian witch. Sounds so good. And I'm sure many listeners to Potterless have had their ears perked up very high. Yep, get ready, y'all. That. Coming in 2019. It's going to be very good. I also can vouch for your Twitter. I very much enjoy your Twitter game because like me, it'll just be about like whatever. But then every now and then you just get like a very, like a sassy or quirky little joke that is very different from anything else you'll see on the timeline, but also <laughs> still relatable in a non-shitty relatable way. Like, it's not like those vines that are like, when you come home and there's no food in your fridge, but it's stuff where you're like, oh my God, same. And also I've never thought about this. So very good to follow. I appreciate that. <laughs> but thank you again so much for joining listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they go through a tunnel that is behind a big old painting wizard on wait also the tunnel <laughs> the painting isn't the painting above the mantle no, no uh, i thought the painting was, was above the mantle, mantle and it swings open and there's a tunnel oh, maybe there's high ceilings is the tunnel does he gonna have to jump down from the tunnel yeah probs wow i don't actually remember that part you might want to pay attention to that i will have to look but until then wizard on <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did you know Potterless has a website? Did you know it's really pretty? Did you know Kelly works on it and maintains it and makes it perfect? Did you know she recently updated it? And it has fun things like how much we've donated to charity, as well as other podcasts that I've been on. So much fun information exists at PotterlessPodcast.com. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Lopu, Frank Chiotto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfelio, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulay, Maria Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonier, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Dustin Wolin Cooch, Audra Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Girl, Vivian Owl, Takari Ron, Haley Hastings, Moster, Pinky Pan, Angelina Withrow, Ross Marie Heise, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingan Odstadter, Mari Wynn, Brianne Wingate, Alexandra Consilver, John Kotker, Jen and Juice, Noel Basilei, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Teal, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Fried, AJ Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latra, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullithan, Carrie D. Bagason, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watt, 
Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Srujan Thanmegupta, Brittany Gutierrez, Nita Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Mats Furley, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Emily Tilly, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Wouter Vandermaiden, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addy, Brian, Wash and Large, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine Roan, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Placky, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Tajinder Chumber, Skymart Six, Sarah Shedder, Peter Vostinak, Yash Patel, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Jesh, Kate L. Dobbs, Violet Sullivan, Hannah Suzanne Gormley, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Elizabeth Agathon, Fielding Lee, Stephanie Hoford, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, D, and Can't I Bother? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Patina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. All information about the show exists at PotterlessPodcast.com. All the bonus episodes live at Patreon.com slash Potterless, and merchandise lives at bit.ly slash merch on. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!